Start jump sequence terminates, Captain. Get the gravitational dampers online and open the blast aye, shield. Aye, sir. Bring us in closer. Aye, aye, sir. Moving us in on sublight drive. Extreme magnification. Aye, sir. The center of the galaxy. And there's our black hole. The experience of a lifetime, Captain. Let me put this on audio. We should be able to hear the magnetic resonance field. This is it, ladies and gentlemen. The edge of time and space where the impossible can happen. Welcome to the event horizon. Good morning, or afternoon, or evening, whatever is relevant for the part of the world you are in. Indeed, welcome to the Event Horizon, where the impossible happens. Join us each week at this time as we delve into science fiction, fantasy, and science fact in all their forms. This is episode 71 of the Event Horizon here on Krypton Radio. I'm your host, Gene Turnbow, and with me is my co-host, Susan Fox. Hello. And our guest today is Tina Baychok of the Backup Ribbon Project. Welcome to the show, Tina. Thank you. Good to be back again. So, Tina, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. I am actually a freelance medical scientific writer and editor, which basically means that I make doctors and scientists sound like they know what they're talking about. (laughs) <laughs> oh my goodness oh there's a hard job that world word girl girl that, and you've yeah. got you've got to have a, a tremendous uh, medical vocabulary and you have to understand a, a lot about what it all means so that you don't and, have them say stupid things interestingly a lot of it you pick up by osmosis um obviously i can't actually do anything to alter the science of what mm-hmm. they're saying or that will alter the meaning of their research um but, you know, I am a lot of my clients are researchers and scientists for whom English is not their first language. Mm-hmm. And they want to submit to the English language publications because those are all the leading ones. So I get to make them sound like they're a native English speaker, which can get very interesting at times. Oh, that's great. Yeah, this is your second appearance on Krypton Radio. I know. Radio on I, know. I, I feel like I'm no pro now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the first one was uh, with uh, Dr. Rebecca Housel, the yes. culture professor. Uh, and we first discussed this, um, what was it, back in June, I think? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I think it was back in June. Uh, back then it was on the general topic of men, women, gender, politics, and fandom, but we wanted to explore yep. with you a little more about, you know, the serious issue of, of harassment of, of women and young people at uh, science fiction conventions. Yeah. Um, we actually, like to think uh, that we're in a safe place at conventions, and it's not I mean, as true no, as it used to be. No, it's not. It's not. Um, and I, I should say that, you know, although very sadly the emphasis tends to be toward uh, young women, um, it really, it can happen to anybody, um, you know, male, female, old, young, somewhere in between, um, you know, it, it, it's an issue that really kind of crosses the boundaries, 
Um, and and to give the and to give our listening audience some perspective, yep. one of the reasons we're covering this topic today is because it's suddenly come up in the news again. The San Diego Comic Con, yes. uh, uh, a young lady, um, I think she's seventeen years old, mm-hmm. and uh, they found her lying unconscious in a gutter, and right. uh, the. Police say that she wasn't attacked, that she tripped and fell. And then we saw pictures on Facebook where she had a couple of black eyes and, you know, oh, it tripped and fell my ass. I'm sorry. Well, what they actually said is that she sustained the falls from falling off of a six foot high fence that she was attempting to climb. And well, that. Sorry. Uh, Okay. So it's, it could have happened then, you know, because she got some pretty, pretty traumatic injuries, but. Well, in any case, it's, it was a very compromising situation. There was a a young man involved who was arrested and I, I don't know what became of him afterwards, but. He was, yeah, he was arrested. Um, he is actually still facing charges of sexual contact with a minor which the young girl, when she woke up in the hospital, she actually had indeed, you know, um, corroborated that 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 was the case. Um, So he's actually still facing those charges. And um, he's got a court date coming up at some point in the future. Uh, So, you know, it's hard to say. They may be still gathering evidence. Well, that and contributing to the delinquency of a minor because they were climbing. They were trying to get into some place where they weren't supposed to go. Right, right. And then this Um, happened. You know, but uh, again, the the more serious charge is sexual contact Mm -hmm. with a minor. Um, As it ever is. Yeah. It sounds like it's not a very serious charge. And in fact, you know, they do take those sorts of things very seriously. So um, the reason uh, the reason we thought that this was important to bring up is that uh, sexual harassment uh, Mm -hmm. is becoming more and more of a hot button issue for the various conventions, especially the big ones. Yep. Uh, because yes. the bigger the convention is, the harder it is to police this sort of thing. Yeah, everybody doesn't know each other anymore, especially when there's 100,000 people there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's, uh, we were just at, I was just at the San Diego Comic-Con, and uh, they say, they say they have 130,000 people there, and I'm here to tell you that it's way, way, way more than 130,000 people. That's what they told the fire marshal. Yeah, they told the fire marshal 130,000 people. And when this, when the surrounding streets are as crowded as the exhibit hall going six blocks out, you've got more than 130,000 people in attendance. They, they have, they, they say it's 130,000 because several years ago, the fire marshal did actually come through and shut them down. And so that's the official cap that they give on the number of bodies at mm. the event. I see. Yeah, but it's it's obviously way more than oh, that. And if if well, if you count, if you factor in all the people out at the stadium and the surrounding constellation of events, then sure, then it's well, it spilled out over half of half of San Diego. I mean, uh, the yeah. entire I, well, not half of it, but uh, uh, the entire southern third of San Diego uh, is all convention. Every every square inch of it every is every hotel room certainly. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. 
Definitely. So Definitely. when you get a when you get a population that large, uh, especially a temporary population that large, uh, you're going to have problems. And the fact that there aren't more problems than there are, frankly, is uh, surprises me. Well, you know, I, I think a lot of this goes back to you know what do we hear about yeah. and what do we not hear about. Um, we didn't hear about the other 129,000 people having a good time. Right. <laughs> That's not news. Which, you know, again, what you know, what's not being reported? Mm-hmm. You know, if, uh, as, as I've said, I believe I mentioned this in the last show, you know, a lot of the times these, these young girls, they're scared. They don't know what to do. And they get talked out of reporting it. And so, of course, it makes it look as though... San Diego Comic-Con or Dragon Con or whatever the event is, doesn't have that big a problem with harassment, when in fact the actual picture may be somewhat different. I guess we all have to be the fan aunties and uncles to uh, yeah. keep an eye on the younger ones. So that brings us to the Backup Ribbon Project. What uh, Can you tell us and our listening audience what the Backup Ribbon Project is and how it got started and how you became involved with it? Um, the concept behind it is actually very, very simple. Um, anybody who's been to any sort of science fiction convention knows that fans love ribbons. They love the match ribbons. They wear them like a Doctor Who Tom Baker scarf all weekend. Oh, yeah, literally. <laughs> they do. I've seen it. Um, I've, I've talk- seen dresses made out of them. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen that as well. Um, and the concept behind the backup ribbon project is it's a, it's a ribbon like any other batch ribbon. Um, I picked purple because it's a color that will catch the eye very easily. And all it says on the front in huge big letters is backup. And then I, I do have the website URL underneath there. But um, essentially what what it is meant to say is if you are the person that has one of these backup ribbons on your badge that you are have designated yourself as a person who is willing to step in and help out in whatever way you feel comfortable doing so if you witness harassment. It also tells people who have been harassed or attacked that if they see somebody wearing that backup ribbon on their badge that this is somebody that they can go to get help from. So it kind of works it works both ways. Well, if we um, ever wanted to be a superhero for just one one moment, that's that's the opportunity. You know, and exactly, and the whole genesis for it actually came out of one of those uh, moments in which a friend and I we were at Dragon Con back in um, 2008, and Dragon Con is set up a little differently from Comic Con in San Diego in that there's not one main convention center. It's essentially four to five clustered hotels in downtown metro Atlanta Mm -hmm. um, and various different events based on the track that they fit into are going to be in different hotels. One hotel is designated for nothing but the Brit track. So all of the Doctor Who, the Torchwood stuff will be over there. There'll be another one that is designated strictly for anime, so on and so forth. And because of the setup, you have fans crossing back and forth 
between these hotels at all hours of the day and night. I mean, it's a mm-hmm. nonstop, constant traffic back and forth. It sounds like Dragon Con is really sort of four conventions all running at the same time at the same place. Oh, more than well, that. More than four. More than four now. Um, it's it's. I can't even keep track of how many tracks they have. Dozens. Yeah, but uh, every author has their own track. Or every major author. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's great if you're a fan of that that genre of that author, though. You get concentrated all in one place, and, and all of the things you want aren't going to be opposite all the things you The want. other things that you might want, right. Um, what had happened was my friend and I were coming back to our hotel. It was pretty late at night. It was probably about 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning. But again, constant packed traffic in and out. And... I happened to notice there was a young woman, and she was backed up against the outside wall, about 20 feet outside the door, the lobby doors to our hotel. And she had a young man who basically was, you know, facing her in the classic, you know, hands on either side of the wall, you know, right next to her shoulders, essentially pinning her in place and screaming at the top of his lungs in her face. Whoa. And... I started to watch as all, and there was no way that you could not have heard this actually inside the lobby of the hotel. He was that loud. Wow. And I'm watching people come in and out before we, we get closer and I'm going, nobody's stop. Why is not anybody stopping? Why are they acting like this is not happening? So we got closer and I finally just went, all right, no, this has got to stop. This can't, nobody else is doing anything fine. And my friend who I was with, he was going to, you know, go up and just kind of confront the guy. And I said, let let me deal with this. So I basically walked up to her, pretended like, you know, I was some long lost friend of hers. And, oh my God, I haven't seen you in ages. Come here, come here. Let me buy you a drink. And I kind of inserted myself between him and her and got her out from around him. And he kind of slunk off and we basically walked her back to her room. And, that event that happened kind of got me to thinking because it was like, why, why didn't anybody stop? There were lots of other people that were closer to them before we approached that had to know what was going on. Welcome to the 21st century. Yeah. And people just, it was like they had blinders on. They didn't want to know. And I said, this, this can't happen. You can't just walk by something like this and and let it go as if nothing has happened. Um, you know, we all talk in the geek community about how we're one big tent and we all look out for each other and this, that, and the other. And here was the perfect opportunity and nobody did anything. And so that was kind of what got me started with the Backup Ribbon Project. Um, and the first year that I did it, when I was back at DragonCon again in 2010... It just so happened it was the worst year they'd ever had for harassment. There were all kinds of stories popping up on the Internet, a couple from actually women who are friends of mine who I know, um, about incidents that they had. Um, and I just went, this has got to stop. This can't keep going on. So I came up with the idea. And for the following year, which was 2011 at DragonCon, I sort of started it at DragonCon because it was kind of the natural place for it to mm-hmm. begin because really what got me sparked with it. Um, I had given out probably over a thousand ribbons just for 2011. And this was all by me just posting things on the Dragon Con 
live journal community because that's always mm-hmm. been the main way that they commu- that the Dragon Con staff communicates with attendees. Um, and it's just kind of snowballed from there. It's, uh, you know, this crazy little one, one person, two person operation. And, you know, we've just, it's just kept picking up momentum and picking up speed. And every time I look at it and I go, you know, there's nothing more that can be done with this. Something else happens and, you know, for good and for bad, but it's just, it's almost like it's got a life of its own now. And I just look at it and go, wow, you know. Well, and you, and you this, is, get, this is what happens when you have something worthwhile, something worth doing. Yeah. People's, people you know, see this. It's so difficult to get anything to just stand up and, and balance for itself on end for a while so that yeah. people notice it. And, and as soon as you do that, people go, oh, wow. Somebody got something to stand up on end uh, and and yeah. be noticed above the din. Let's go look and see what that is. And the backup ribbon project is one of those things. It's it's just it's attracting attention because it's it's worthy and it's a it's a good idea and it's it's um it makes uh, it's people needed. feel empowered even, you know, on one one person at a time to stand up and say no. This that's just you move. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, well put, you know, Susan. I really wanted this to be one of these things that that fans had ownership of, above and beyond whether or not they're on staff, whether or not they're on the committee for the convention, that the average attendee can just go, you know, hey, I'm a part of this too. And I think that's really been where, where the success of it has come from, is when I explain it to people, they all get that dumbfounded look like, wow. Why didn't I think of that? You know, and it's that I think is the beauty of it is that it really is that simple and that easy for people to to pick it up and and do their own thing with it. So, how large is the organization now? How many people do you have working with you? <laughs> is, it, is it a complete anarchy, or, or is somebody? <laughs> yeah, we're, we're kind of an anarchy of three. I, I don't know if that can actually be an anarchy. Um, um, I actually do most, well, I should say all of the actual production end of things in terms of getting the ribbons, you know, getting mm-hmm. them out to people, so on and so forth. I have one of my longtime friends who was one of my very first supporters for this is um, an amazing woman um, who is very active both in the Renaissance Fair community and in the gaming community. She actually works in the gaming industry. And her big focus has been on harassment issues for women in the gaming industry, which is its own issue in and of all by itself that oh, I yeah. really kind of let her talk more about that because I'm not a gamer. Mm-hmm. She is, but she takes care of, she helps me out with the social media stuff. And, you know, between the, th- between the, the three of us, we just kind of, we we do our best to juggle it as much as we can. Uh, it seems like we're we're a lot bigger than we actually. Well, because are. it's you three, but then on the next tier, it's thousands. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, exactly, you know. exactly. And you and know that Krypton Radio has your back too. I mean, can you imagine yeah. anyone messing with the the women of Krypton Radio? Oh, the aunties yeah, from uh, hell. Not going to happen. <laughs> so um, many people know, in this company are parents. <laughs> we will not countenance. Well, you know, and that's it. Child. That's the other thing too. Is um, 
you know, I, I know Susan, you and I, when we first first got started, the average female fan was somewhat older. Um, and at least when I first got involved in fandom, there was this unofficial network where it would be, you know, the older women would come talk to the younger the younger mm-hmm. girls. Those of us who were just first getting into fandom. You could raise like, your kids you, there, you know? Yeah, you know, you should stay away from, from Joe Fanboy over there. He's a troublemaker. Yeah. and But nobody ever actually went to Joe Fanboy and said, don't do that. You're creeping people out. Yeah, Joe, you're being that guy. You're being that. Don't be that guy. <laughs> don't yeah, be, don't that be that guy. guy. Be that guy. <laughs> <laughs> and I actually asked one of these, one of these, you know, older women at that time when I was first getting involved. I said, "Well, has anybody talked to him? Oh no, 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 we can't do that. Why not?" And what I was told was that, well, fandom is supposed to be very inclusive, and he has nowhere else to go. Of course, there's a reason why he has nowhere else to go. You know. Oh, sure. You know, and, because the, this is this kind of behavior is socially unacceptable, no matter where you are. Well, but some guys could get help, and some guys have. Yes, I can that's think true. of a young yeah. man who really did have ADHD issues. He got medication when enough good friends told him, "Look, <laughs> you got to deal with this." Yeah, and he's mm-hmm. a contributing member of fandom today. So no yeah. problem. You know. Yes, I mean certainly. You know, if if you get to people when you talk to them and go, "Hey, just don't do this," but I think there's still this culture of, you know, we were all the 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 unpopular kids. We got picked on in high school, and so there's this culture of we're the underdogs and we're the losers, and so we all have to stick together. And although this is probably a whole different discussion, I think science fiction fandom. Well, I should say the, the genre of science fiction has undergone such a dramatic change that I think that that concept of you're the only one out there is really not applicable anymore for the most part. No, no uh, one's isolated unless they really want to be anymore. Exactly. You know, not the internet. Yeah, it's not like uh, it's not like it was in 1975 when if you were a geek, you were probably the only geek you could see, and you felt exactly. very, very there were, alone. There were clubs, um, if you were lucky enough to know about one, but then Star Wars hit. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That yeah. changed everything. Certainly there were more people than, than we knew what to do with, and and I and I use that term, you know, expression very specifically. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, again, when I talk to my friends' kids about what it was like when I first started. They they don't believe me. They honestly don't believe, you know, because they say, but I can talk to so-and-so in South Africa about Doctor Who, and I can talk to this other person in Australia about, um, you know, Avengers. And the notion that you were the only one out there is just lost to them. Um, I think for the better, to be, to be honest, I think it, it's actually kind of, connected people in a way that we just didn't have before. The planet is so much smaller than it was yep. uh, 30 um, years ago. One of the early Callahan's bar stories by um, Spider Robinson involved uh, in yes. a social, um, involuntary man's laughter, which is sort of a only mild anagram of manslaughter. Yes. And uh, it, it basically was using the internet, so, so a man who could not go out in public, who was housebound, in his case mm-hmm. due to Tourette's, um, was able to socialize and, and kind of 
be a person, you know, have friends, talk to somebody other than his caregiver. Yeah, exactly. And, and what was science fiction in the 70s is is now our reality. It's now, it's now reality. Well, and uh, I think I mentioned, um, I think I mentioned the last time you were on the show that uh, uh, the problem that a lot of these guys have is that they don't really have a perspective on what they're doing and how they're affecting the people around them. Uh, science fiction fans tend to live inside their heads a lot because, um, you know, being so, uh, socially inept or, or emotional, having emo- um Having an inability to read other people's emotional states sometimes uh, mm-hmm. makes you makes you more of an intro- introvert. Wow, right. I'm stumbling right. over all this. I, I really <laughs> need to get really need to get my thoughts in order before I start talking. But um, I think this is a big part of the problem. Is uh, well, you're being a better friend to to Mister Introvert by telling him, you know, exactly. by being honest. I mean, this is going to be as liberating for men as for women, okay? Learn yeah, how to I, do I, that I will be Very honest. much so. Yeah. I, I've had this discussion with friends of mine about the whole socially awkward. Mm-hmm. And I think you're at a fine line because I think that sometimes gets used as an excuse. Oh, he's just socially awkward. Don't worry about him. Don't mind what he does. Which is fine up to a point. And then you kind of have to say, well, you know, can we not let socially awkward be used as a crutch. You have but, to be able to learn from from right. situations too. You well, know, and this con, is one of the big advantages of of having these really yeah. big conventions is because as as you were saying, your friends' kids don't really understand the concept of isolation that mm-hmm. uh, that we had to undergo when we were their age. They don't have right. it. Uh, they are a part of a society. Um, and they have to learn ways. how to deal with other people. Yeah, they have to learn exactly. how to deal with other people. And by and large, it is, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that, uh, that I believe that a lot of the harassment issues are coming from uh, not the teenagers, but the older men. Um, I think actually you're probably right. Um you know, again, the the flip side of the of the socially awkward thing to get back to what we we're talking about before is um, you put anybody in the wrong situation and they're going to be socially awkward. Mm-hmm. Um, for as much as I tend to fool people when they see me talking to you guys in Krypton Radio or running around at conventions talking about the Backup Ribbon Project, um, I'm actually really very much an introvert. I've just learned how to hide it very well, but. If you put me in the wrong situation, I'm going to be very socially awkward. And I would, you know, if somebody comes up to me and says, you know, um, this is kind of not the sort of thing that we do here, I wouldn't be offended. I'll be like, oh, my gosh, thank you for speaking up and telling me so that I don't make the situation worse. We have to know how to use some good manners. Exactly. You know, they're, they're not going to take it well. They're, don't do that. Right. Right. So you're very active on the East Coast, then. Um, Dragon Con being, uh, that's Florida, isn't it? No, it's, uh, uh, Atlanta, Georgia. It's Atlanta, Georgia. It's in Atlanta over Labor Day weekend. Um, I've been to Dragon Con. It's marvelous. Yeah, it's, I, I actually 
truthfully, I prefer it to to um, Comic Con. Comic Con in San Diego was just too big and overwhelming for me. Well, but they've uh, got that whole southern, you know, the hospitality thing down there. Yeah, and boy, is that it's, a it's, powerful combination with with fandom fellowship, you know. It's it's a it's a very fun convention, but um, you know if you want to speaking of socially awkward for me being in large crowds where I feel like I'm being shoved into somebody and I'm pressed in yeah Ooh, yeah no, I don't do the no. whole human pinball thing I could yeah, do without it's just not fun um, you know it's funny because we've had I've had requests come from people in Germany from somebody in the UK from somebody in Australia. So, you know, I like to say we're now a, a, a global multinational organization. <laughs> oh, I hope there's people hitting up uh, uh, the London Worldcon this coming weekend. Yeah, I've actually had a few people ask for the London Worldcon. Um, I would love to have been able to be there in person, oh, but me too. such as it is. Um, but, yeah, it's, it, you know, the, the thing that I love is when I see it spread just beyond here in Southern California. Um, and I, you know, I find people in the far flung reaches who are, you know, asking about it and talking about it. I'm like, wow, this is just, this is the power of, of what you can do once you start this thing motivated. Like I said, it's this ball that just has kept on rolling. Well, let's keep it rolling. Yeah. No, it's like, um, the internet has, has made possible a, a worldwide community that uh, that we couldn't have even imagined oh, even sure just a did. few years ago. Well, well if we were Isaac well, Asimov, we, we could have imagined it. You know, we're <laughs> yeah. we're the, we're the science fiction geeks. Sure, but uh, we weren't seeing it prior to 1995, which is essentially right. the dawn of the internet and social media. Uh, Facebook has been up for what 20 years? Uh, I think about. Yeah, not 15? No, not 15 years, something like that. I think about 15 years, something like and that. And internet connectivity has exploded. I mean, you can reach people so many different ways. And mm-hmm. the distances no lo- are no longer as relevant. So it's... Uh, it's affinity groups that become, mm-hmm. you know, your, your that's, fraternities. That's your new whatever. neighborhood. That's yeah. your new neighborhood. Yeah, exactly. I mean, um, I was looking at our... Just to give you an idea i was looking at our uh, listener numbers today and i found out we have a big pile of listeners in ready for this kazakhstan and uzbekistan huh. i i didn't big even know Uz- where these Uzbekistan? were in the world huh do we have uzbek fandom we have uzbek fandom how awesome is that yeah there's a there's a little cluster of them write to us yeah say hi hey uzbeks <laughs> We love you. Know, you. I, I have occasionally looked at the stats for the Backup Urban Project website, and I, I look at that and go, who are those six people <laughs> in uh-huh. Rwanda who are finding my website, you know? Oh, Lord, love it. Make sure I, could I use it in Rwanda. <laughs> yeah, we um, get- yeah, and something like the Backup Urban Project certainly could not have existed without this level of having the Internet and the social media. So what about um, spreading beyond fandom? What about the idea? Rwanda just, just you know, a, a, a land at, at war just kind of makes me think that, do we need this in in our daily lives? 
Do we, um, do we all know, need to be each other's superheroes? I'm not sure that there's a social um, there's a social dynamic that would support it the way it would. Yeah, it, you could ask, support it in, yeah, in ask science the, fiction ask fandom. Ask the pink saris. Well, um, that's yeah. yeah the pink <laughs> okay. star, no, the pink stars are actually a very good example, but one of the ones that's here in the U.S. and they're actually um, three of the women who are involved with that particular. Uh, it's it's called Hollaback, and they have some um, in all the major cities in the U.S., and it's basically against street harassment. Oh, Just harassment out on the street. And three of the women who were with the Philly Hollaback group were the ones who started the Geeks for Consent, which was the group that got all the national media just before San Diego Comic-Con with their petition to try to get the convention to make its anti-harassment policy more obvious to everybody. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they're out there, you know? Have you um, had... Have you had um um celebrities uh, comment on your work <laughs> oh okay i have to tell this embarrassing story on myself um i have even back you know before he became sort of you know the 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 idol of all of geekdom i've always from the very beginning been a very big fan of will will wheaton he's um, a nice boy he's kind of stuck being the kid genius the annoying kid genius in the show but he was really nice we you know, we just met him, we just met him last weekend yeah. i just met him in person for the first time last weekend oh i'd met him when the show was new i've got to say <laughs> nice I, I i now understand why he grew the beard because if he didn't <laughs> he would look identical to the way he looked when he was on the show. Oh, no. Kind of baby-faced. Oh, yeah, he's kind of baby-faced, oh. and, uh, you know, he's got de- um, delicate. You know, he's I, not I, exactly craggy, and he never will be. Yeah, and, no. Uh, yeah, he grows um, it because he... Oh, well, anyway, go on. Yeah, you know, I, I Stand By Me is probably one of my favorite Stephen King films. Um, oh, yeah. I didn't, I didn't care for his character. I didn't care for the character of Wesley very much, but I thought in a lot of ways, as somebody who himself was growing up on Next Generation, he got a lot of flack from fans that really, honestly, he didn't deserve. He wasn't Uh, writing it. (laughs) It's not his fault. You know, um, growing up as, you know, a a TV star, it's a meat grinder. I mean, it really is. You look at the number of child stars who, you know, burned out who have died. Uh, my God, uh, you know, uh, River Phoenix, um, uh, who was his co-star on, on Stand By Me. So I've always been a, a big fan of Will Wheaton at any rate. And um, some, I, I happened to just flick across my eye at one point. I was going through my Twitter feed that he was talking about a new, t- uh, I think it was supposed to be for sci-fi, but I don't remember, a TV show that he was putting together. And he was talking about it was going to be sort of an interview format. It was going to have various segments, this, that, and the other. And I went... I think it's the Will Wheaton project, actually. Pitch him. And and I was like, I wonder if I should maybe, you know, mention the Backup Ribbon project. And then, of course, the 12-year-old fangirl me goes, no, 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 he's just going to think you're stupid. And I went back and forth and back and forth on this inside my head. Um... And I finally just went, you know what? He's probably not even going to see if I make a comment to this on his blog. I'm just going to put it out there. And if he says something great, and if not, you know, I can just go, well, I tried. So Mm -hmm. I made some sort of comment going, you know, hey, this is the project that I run. Would it be a suitable format? I'd really like to get to talk to you about what we can do with this. And I just left it alone. 
And of course, I couldn't leave it alone for too long. I'm going back and refreshing every five minutes. And he actually responded to me. Wow. Um, He said, oh, my God, I love this. I think this is really a great idea. It's really important. It's not the right format for the show, but, you know, I really support what you're doing. And I'm looking at this, and inside my head, the 12-year-old Frangel is now going, oh, my God, he likes me. <laughs> I, I was a mess for the rest of the day. Cool. That's you know cool. What? And, it just and he's like that. that we he's are... just, he's, uh, he's uh, as big a fanboy as uh, as any of us, really. Well, and we're all 12-year-old little fans on the inside. And, 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 exactly. And we can all be hurt by har- harassment. Oh, exactly. yes. Exactly. Um, so that's, you know, that's probably my biggest my biggest fangirl moment. Um the other one is that I had um, a friend of mine who was at Phoenix Comic Con a month or so ago, which is actually going to be a pretty big convention. Yes, it and is. Had, and it had some pretty pretty big A-listers. And she is an author, and she was having a table there. She said, I'm going to source my own ribbons. I'm going to have about 200 of them there. Are you okay with them hand them out? I'm like, sure. And I thought about it, and I came up with the idea, and I put this out on um the Twitter feed that I was doing kind of like a flash contest. And the deal was if you could get a picture of one of the A-listers, I think it was like the A-listers or the B-listers holding one of the, the backup ribbons, then I would send whoever got that picture to me a copy of my friend's book. Cause it was good. It was good promotion for her. It was yeah. good promotion for us. And I figured, nah, she was going to come to that. One of the organizers for the convention got, um, I can't remember his last name, but he's the lead actor on the CW show Arrow. Oh, Stephen Ar- Armell. Yeah. Um, and got a picture of himself with Steve Armell, you know, smiling and holding up the... And I went, wow, you know, it actually... Uh, we got some good publicity out of that. So, you know, it's getting there. Um, I actually just had a really interesting conversation with um, Steve Barnes, Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, yeah, Stephen Barnes. Yes. I like him very much. Um, who's, you know, been a big advocate of this for a long time. And, you know, he hadn't, somebody else actually had mentioned something to him about it in the wake of discussions on his Facebook page about the young girl at, at San Diego Comic Con. And the next thing I know, I've got this message from Steve Barnes going, so, Tina, I, talk to me about this. And so we did, and he actually now has some from me. And he actually, you know, basically made his own post of a public declaration that he was going to be doing this. And I was like, this is, you know, particularly for Southern California fan, that's pretty big. Yes, oh, sure, like, yes. And so I'm, you know, as I said, I keep, just keep thinking that at some point this is all going to level off, and, you know, it just never does. So now, For those of you who don't know, Stephen Barnes is an, uh, an, an accomplished science fiction and fantasy writer. Also an accomplished martial artist and life coach. Yes. And I think he's very wise for one so young. Yeah. Well, not young. He's he's over 50, but... But very inspiring guy. Very, very inspiring guy. And his wife, too. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, Let's see. Who it. else can we drag into this? <laughs> Well, you know, and that's it. It's just when I think that, you know, well, it's kind of in its course, then something happens. And, you know, whether it's something like Will Wheaton finding out about it or, unfortunately, the the two big harassment events that happened at at San Diego Comic-Con, um, 
The other one, which I don't know how many people knew about this, was um, Adrienne Curry, who's pretty well known. Mm-hmm. She's a, a model. I think she was one of the America's Top Models. Mm-hmm. Um, she's an actress. She's a TV host. And she's one of the big geek cosplayers that is usually one of the big headliners oh, for I conventions like this. Sandy. Was she, was she Catwoman or Batgirl? One of those? Catwoman. 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 And she and a bunch of friends of hers were actually out on the other side of the main street from the convention center in uh, the Gaslight District, which, you know, you want to talk about mm-hmm. overspilling into... Yeah, the, oh, yes, the Gaslamp District is... Yeah, uh, the Gaslamp District. Yeah. Um, and so she and some other friends of hers were out there all done up in costume and posing, and one of the other young women there, who's also a, a model, had on a, a Tigra costume, which essentially consisted of her being having on orange and black body paint and then a bikini top and bottom painted to look like it was also part of the the body paint. Mm -hmm. And some guy apparently came up behind her as they were posing for pictures and pulled down, tried to pull down her bikini bottoms. And, you know, so she's... People don't do that. I know. Who who does that? Seriously, who does that? Some guy apparently did. And, of course, she's freaking out because she's trying to stop the bottoms from sliding down. Meanwhile, Adrian Curry, who had on her Catwoman costume at the time, takes off running after this guy and apparently catches up with him. And she had her, you know, her Catwoman uh, whip with her and bashed his nose in with the butt end of the whip and broke his nose, apparently. Awesome. I don't think any, um, any judge in the, in the world is going to hear that one. Yeah. Okay, so like, you grew well, okay. Tigra. And got your nose bashed in by Catwoman. Cat yeah, what good for her? Nose bashed in by 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 Catwoman. You know that's that's not the kind of so there I was con, you know convention story that you want to be telling your friends. Uh, uh, no, <laughs> <laughs> that that's that's pretty awesome though. I did read about that. I saw that on. Uh, I can't remember exactly where I read it from, I, but it came through on my Facebook feed, and I saw the yeah. Uh, yeah. The pictures of her, um, her classic Catwoman costume. And, yeah. uh, frankly, um, she's, she does not look like, uh, uh, I mean, she's a very pretty model, but she does not look frail at all. And, uh, yeah. somebody like that's coming after me with a, the end of a bullwhip. I'm going to be running the other way. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, that's, so, so that was the other incident. And, yeah. uh, and then obviously Geeks for Consent starting to highlight the issues with the mm-hmm. anti-harassment policy at the convention before it even started. Um, well, you can't go it, setting policy, you know, the week before the convention. I, you know, they needed a lead up to that. Right. You know, and there were other things like, for instance, um, the Geeks for Consent people had suggested they do something along the lines of putting up signs throughout the the convention center mm-hmm. you know saying you know cosplay is not consent you know don't mm-hmm. harass people whatever different various slogans and apparently the response from comic-con was that they they thought that it would make it would give the image to the media that there was a problem with harassment at san diego comic-con mm-hmm. so that was why they didn't want to do it which to me was sort of like, you know, the old adage that you hear about how the automobile manufacturers didn't want seatbelts installed in cars 
because then we give the perception that the cars were not safe. Well, they're playing the perception game. Right. We just need to write some better, better slogans. That's all. You know, the Salt Lake City Comic Con is coming up in a couple of weeks now. And uh, Susan and I are being flown out as guests of the convention. And they have (laughs) a very, uh, yeah, it's cool. I'm pretty stoked too. And they have an anti-harassment policy, uh, anti-harassment policy. Harass is two words. Right. (laughs) An anti-harassment policy, which is very well spelled out, very specific. And uh, Some of it uh, is the town you're in, though. I mean, it's Salt Lake City, okay? Salt Lake City. It's church town. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there is probably no more single religious city in the entire United States than Salt Lake. And I have a lot of respect for that because they're (laughs) not, you know, it's... it's, You got all these avenging angels on your side, you know. Well, yeah, it's, of course, those time. avenging angels may may be missing some of their accoutrements. I mean, uh, uh, the the weapons policy also prohibits you from using uh, wooden dowels of any any particular size to as part of your you know your big foam hammers. If you're like if you're cosplaying. Uh, Thor or, uh, uh, Thor or Harley Quinn? Nope, no hammers. Hmm. Even if they're made of foam, huh. they're not going to allow them. Interesting. Well, we'll have to work around that. Well, that's weird. We're cosplaying ourselves with our mad science uh, oh, yeah. lab coats, and but that's that's the great thing, you know, because we're we don't have to cosplay anybody but ourselves. <laughs> now, when I'm Spider- cosplaying myself, when, when other people start cosplaying you, then you'll have made it. Yes. <laughs> you see, you see little kids dressed up as Stan Lee at these things. It's just the cutest thing ever. Oh my gosh! There was this little. Was it last year's San Diego Comic Con where this little six year old girl who was all cosplayed yep. up as yep. Stan Lee, and they got a picture of her with Stan Lee. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, Spider Man's dad. Come on. Uh, but, you know, when you talk about these policies, uh, one of the other things, and, and I'm going to preface this by saying that I, I really, really try to stay away from getting into a lot of policy discussions because I'm not policy person. I'm implementation girl. Mm-hmm. You tell me what you want done, you tell me the parameters of it, and then just get out of my way. And but that's what policy is. Um, but the thing is, you can have the greatest policy ever written and if you don't have your staff properly trained it doesn't mean anything that's true that's true um one of the things that i really stress with people is if you are providing backup for somebody obviously your first concern is to make sure that that person is you know that they're safe and you know they're they're taken care of but once you've squared all that away the very next thing that you really should do is go talk to somebody on the the con staff about what happened. And the reason for that is that gives the, the con the opportunity to document the incident. Mm-hmm. Just in case, God forbid, somebody decides to sue. And then the con can say, well, we had this policy, and look, we followed this policy in this instance, See, here's that documentation. Right, um, paper trail. Paper yeah, trail. you definitely want a paper trail. Um, I When I've had discussions with some of the ConCom people about this sort of thing, they kind of tend to think that, you know, I'm talking about this as some sort of, 
you know, uh, vigilante justice, this, that, and the other. And, you know, I say, well, no, I'd love to have Batman's utility belt, but it's not so much vigilantism with what I'm trying to do as just making other people aware so that it's not only up to the convention. We all look out for each other. It's your, it's your ability. You have the same ability that every other citizen has. You have the ability to observe and report Mm -hmm. and to cooperate with the people who do have authority to do something in order to get something done about it. This this is not vigilantism. This vigilantism is taking the law into your own hands and this is not that. No. Well, that's kind of what Adrian did, I'm afraid. Well, Adrian, (laughs) yes. That's, I'm, I, it's hard for me not to sort of like philosophically look the other way from that particular you know, uh, okay. on what she did. You just have to own it if it comes back to bite you in the hiney. Yeah. Well, I, I'm i also not running a convention. So exactly. I'm not, le- I'm not <laughs> legally responsible for what she does. Yeah. So I can say, add a girl, Adrian, <laughs> without necessarily getting sued for it. Right, enough, right. And this is also the other important thing that I that I stress to people is there's a difference between what you do as an individual and what you do if you are a representative of the actual event itself. Um, you know, as an individual, I can say, and I strongly encourage people to do this, to say, you know, I believe you that this is what happened to you. Now let's, what can we do about it? Um, it gets a little dicey if the policy of the convention is that they will unilaterally believe whatever, you know, the person who has been harassed says. It's, it's, well, that's not always fair because all it takes is one false accusation to keep the, exactly. whole, make the whole thing tumble exactly. down. Exactly. We must be impeccable with our word. So, you know, I, I try to, I, I know I walk a fine line with some of this and I, you know, I try to make people aware. Um, Part of it also is I stress to people that, because um, one of the other questions I get from people, uh, you know, I'm just not the confrontational type. I don't know if I could help out. And I try to make people understand. It's like n- not all of this has to be about directly confronting somebody. You know, you can go get help. You can take a video if you see it happening. You can sit with a person while somebody else goes and gets help. Or you can do what you did, which was give somebody a convenient way of escaping. Right, right. Um, Without having to necessarily confront the person. Right. Now, I will be the first to admit, I'm perfectly fine with direct confrontation. Um, It is, I have discovered, one of the few times when being the old fat broad in fandom actually works to your favor. (laughs) (laughs) You've got the mass to to back it up. Well, no, it's more a case of you, you, when you're the old fat broad, for a lot of guys, especially guys who are prone to harassing young girls, you don't exist because you're not part of their target demographic. Hmm. And so to be able to just go up to these guys and go, I saw what you did. Now cut that out. And it suddenly startles them because it's like, whoa, wow. Okay, I have to deal with the fact that this person wow, a talking really exists, <laughs> you know. And I can't just go, well, she's, you know, she's old, she's fat, she's whatever. I have to actually deal with what this person has told me they've seen. So, you know, yeah, I, I always tell people that if you can, 
play the old fat broad in fandom card. <laughs> <laughs> Even if you're a young man, <laughs> you can still say, exactly. I saw what you did. Stop well, it. Yeah. You know, and sometimes from male to male, actually, I think works better. Um, you know. Not cool, some, bro. Yeah. You know, just go up to your friend. Like you said, not a dude. Not cool. Don't do that. You make the rest of us look bad. So what conventions uh, are coming up that you might be attending? Well, I am. Um, I actually just got the confirmation not too long ago for Geek Girl Con up in Seattle, which is the beginning of October. Oh, um, yes. I was there last year. Never can't go. It's a fabulous, fabulous convention that um, is a lot focused on making the geek community more, ex- you know, inclusive uh, towards women towards young girls, as well as, you know, just as a general thing. Uh, they have a whole girl science track that they do where they bring in women who work in the aerospace and the tech and the science industries to talk to young girls about opportunities in that industry and actually let them do hands-on experiments. Um, they, they have just some amazing things that they are doing, and... I was there last year, and it it really was just an incredible experience for me. Um, I had random people just start to talk to me about their experiences with with the problems that they'd had in fandom. Um, you know, as I'm standing in line, we didn't go into a panel with them. It wasn't even a panel that I was on. Um, or somebody who just happened to sit next to me at lunch because it's really crowded, and so you have to share tables. Um, and I just, I was so excited to be there. And by Sunday I was exhausted. I had had no sleep and I was like running around crying because I didn't want to go home. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, one of the women who I met there, you know, it was my last day there and she said, well, have you enjoyed it? I said, you know, I got to tell you, I've been involved in, in fandom in Southern California for, you know, 20 plus years and for the first time, I actually really feel like I am part of the geek community and I'm not just tolerated. And I was like, I was a mess. I was crying all over the place. And she was like, oh, that's so sweet. So then she started crying and it was just a whole crying fest. But um, <laughs> You didn't see that in the fanboys, you know, no girls allowed club. Huh? Yeah, you know, there's probably going to be some pictures of me with like my red puffy face and tears screaming. Now I won't care. Um, but I am going to be back there this year. Um, we're doing... Um, a panel called uh, Geeks Got Your Back, which is going to be myself, uh, my friend Denisha, who I mentioned, who's involved in the gaming industry, mm-hmm. and uh, another friend of mine. Um, she has come down for LostCon. She is a costumer. If you've ever seen the girl who walks around with those incredible translucent butterfly wings, mm. that's Wolf Cat. Um, who lives up in the Pacific Northwest, and she's going to be on the panel as well, talking more about it from the cosplay point of view. So cosplay is not consent, and and what that group, particular group is doing, so on and so forth. Um, and so I'm very, very, very excited about that. Um, I have that coming up. I have submitted a panel for LostCon, um, but it's a little early. Um, that's one local one here in Los Angeles in mm-hmm. over Thanksgiving weekend. Um, so I'm kind of hoping that I will hear something back from them as well. And 
Um, I've actually been kind of sort of talking to the Geeks for Consent people about how we can work together on some things. And the other thing that I got involved with, interestingly, is I was up at a steampunk convention in San Jose mm-hmm. a few months ago. Clockwork Alchemy. Which is a great, great convention. For anybody who loves steampunk and is in the Bay Area, please go to that convention because it's, it's wonderful. I was actually a, a panelist there. And one of the women in the dealer's room who I got to talking to is she is one of the regulars at Burning Man that's mm-hmm. actually coming oh, up in a I few see. weeks. And she's one of the lead people for, they're, they're known as the Burning Man Rangers, and they're basically the safety group out at Burning Man. Um, and I have been talking to her about how we can implement something like the backup ribbon, but make it in such a way that it can be used out at Burning Man. And I'm very, very, very excited about that. I can see it applying to Burning Man and and many other gatherings, uh, Renaissance fairs. If we all wear purple ribbons, they'll know that we're safe or something. I don't know. Right. Right. Well. So, you know, like I said, every time I think I'm going to get a breather on this, Not going to happen. Well, and this is the nature of good ideas. They do develop a life of their own, and uh, they can become larger than the sum of their parts. Right. Um, One of the other things I'm looking at doing is, because I realize I can't get to every convention, um, I'm looking at putting together basically what amounts to a backup street team. So somebody will say, oh, I'm going to be at this convention in the Midwest, or another friend of mine will say, I'm going to be at the one in Boston. Franchises. And I'm like, (laughs) I'm going to send you the files, the graphic files, so that they have the graphic files that they need. They would go, they'd source their own ribbons and cards and stickers. Um, I'd probably cover the cost of printing T-shirts for them. And let them go and be the person on the ground at that event, and then I would obviously let people know Hey, look out for the person that's going to have their purple backup T-shirt on. Um, they will have ribbons and cards and stickers, and you know, go find them. Um, it, it sounds like the backup ribbon project is set for growth. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, uh, it's <laughs> yeah, going it's really going is. to be becoming more and more important as we go. I think. Well, hurrah for the purple people, and we will Yay. join you at our various <laughs> conventions together. Yeah. Tina Baychalk, thank you for joining us on episode 71 of the Event Horizon here on Krypton Radio. It's been a pleasure to have you with us. It's been really fun getting to come back again. You have just heard episode 71 of Krypton Radio's weekly production of The Event Horizon for August 23rd, 2014, with our guest Tina Baychalk of the Backup Ribbon Project. Your hosts have been station manager Gene Turnbow and the station's executive producer Susan Fox. This episode will air again on Sunday, August 24th, 2014, and Thursday, August 28th at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on each day, as well as Sunday, Thursday, and next Saturday at 5 a.m. You will find this episode and others as downloads at the Krypton Radio website and on iTunes and Stitcher as podcasts. If you are going to 2014's Salt Lake Comic Con in two weeks, we will very likely see you there as we are guests of the convention and we will be moderating several panels, including our own panel, Ina Kleine Geek Music. So look for us there. The Event Horizon title sequence was written and produced by Gene Turnbow. 
the science officer was science fiction illustrator Mark Schurmeister, the engineer was Christian B. McGuire, the navigator was Christine Cherry, and the captain was voiced by legendary science fiction writer Larry Nevin. This program and its contents, except where provided by others, are copyright 2014 by Krypton Media Group Incorporated. The Event Horizon. It's sci-fi for your Wi-Fi.